Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Show, we're back. Uh, another Young Voices contributor. We do love having them and partnering with them. Uh, Travis Nix, uh, he's a Villanova undergrad. He's now at Georgetown Law. Uh, he's been writing all over the place National Review, uh, Washington Examiner's Chicago Tribune. That's a nice little uh, plum in your cap, my friend. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. So, we want to talk a little tax policy, but I was prepping for this and it just kind of struck me as we don't talk about tax policy very much lately. We had the, the Trump tax cuts, of course, got talked about, but that was on the corporate side more so. Uh, and other than uh, some really wonky into politics people like me complaining about the SALT debate last year, we just don't talk about taxes much anymore. And that used to be one of the dominant political issues uh, in our day. What happened? You know, I think there's been, for me, you know, I love taxes. So, I mean, this is what I do is I study taxes and there's a lot of tax stuff actually going on. You know, the Build Back Better bill had a lot of tax stuff in there that was going to raise taxes on corporations and just, you know, kill the economy essentially. But I think a lot of these culture war issues and social issues have kind of taken over um, people caring about the economy. But I think it's now starting to come back as people are seeing, you know, inflation go up, they're paying more for everything. Uh, they lost their jobs possibly during the coronavirus. So I think people are now starting to want to really kickstart the economy back. And if you want to uh, kickstart the economy, you have to look at the tax code and how to improve it. Why do you think we don't equate? Because there's what you know some ac- academics call hidden taxes, uh, regulatory taxes. Uh, you can even argue inflation that we're dealing with right now. That's a tax on everybody, especially the poorer Americans. Why do they not equate things like that with the tax code? Like you just said, anytime you have legislation, especially something like Build Back Better, it's going to affect the tax code, you know, just by default almost, even if they don't intend to. Why that disconnect in the public consciousness with how taxes really work if it's not called specifically a tax? Yeah, I think there's two ways to look at taxes. You actually have your tax code. I think that's the main way people look at it and try to measure it looking at rates and then what are we going to tax and what aren't we going to tax? That's the tax base. But then you also have that regulatory side. Um, a lot of burdensome regulations out there that really hamper people, uh, people's ability to innovate and improve the economy. But that's a lot more difficult to measure. You know, ec- economists have gotten really good at basically uh, saying how much a tax cut or increase is going to help or hurt the economy. But for regulatory and all the regulations we have, it's really hard to measure. So I think that's the disconnect there is taxes are kind of easy to measure versus regulation. The burden that puts on the economy is a lot harder to measure. Yeah, we're talking to Travis Nix, Young Voices contributor. Uh, He's at Georgetown Law now. He likes to write and opine on taxes. We're talking taxes today. 
Um, let's have a grown folk talk real quick, though. Uh, both the last president, President Trump, the current president, Joe Biden, we have spent gobs of money, trillions and trillions of dollars in money. I understand there was emergencies for COVID and other things. Uh, the traditional uh, bylines for the right in America is cut taxes. But with this much spending and this much cost, there's just no way taxes aren't going to go up in the near future at some point because this is just an untenable position, isn't it? Yeah, basically, as we have what now is $25 trillion in debt in the economy, unless we get spending under control, taxes are going to go up and most likely. And that's going to have real world effects on a lot of people. But as soon as you start raising taxes on corporations, they hire less, they cut salaries. And that's going to hurt a lot of people. So I think it's very important that we get spending under control in Washington so we can continue to cut taxes, continue to grow the economy and stimulate the economy. But if you don't take care of that spending side, we're going to start to look a lot closer to Europe and how much they pay in taxes. So again, like we were talking about with the tax disconnect, though, there's no public appetite for it. We'll send a tweet or a Facebook post about it every now and then. We'll complain about it on talk radio a little bit about it, but nobody seems to care enough about it to actually make it a political thing where there's any pressure whatsoever on Congress or our other elected officials to actually do anything about things like spending, uh, like accountability, like financial pressure, like the debt. Uh, again, I'll just pose it to you like I did the tax question. Why is that? That's a that's a disconnect where we complain about it. So we know there's a problem, but there's no action being taken on any of it. Because people really love their government benefits. You look at what's driving uh, our budget crisis. It's not um, defense spending and discretionary spending that Congress actually in full. It's entitlement spending. That's Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Um, those are people, seniors, they have a lot of voting power. They love their government benefits. And so people want to keep their benefits. So that's why you have the disconnect is they, it's a contradictory position because they love all these government programs, but then they also want to cut taxes. You can't do that. And that's how you have the budget um, situation that we have now. That's how we got here. People need to realize that um, we need entitlement reform in this country. We need these programs. If they're going to stick around, they need to be narrowly targeted at the poorest Americans and help them. There's no reason a person making three, who earned a $300,000 salary for his entire career should be collecting Social Security tax. We need to reform these programs so we can continue to get our budget up under control. And so we can make these economically productive uh, tax cuts. We talk about things like Social Security, like you just brought up, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, things like Medicare, Medicaid expansion are very popular. So it goes again, again, another one of those disconnect things you talk about. How much does our tax code and our tax regulation and frankly, the, the Byzantine poor way that we administer taxes in this country play into that problem, though? Because we, we talk about spending. That's just a big generic term. We have a lot that we just lose in the way that we actually try to get taxes, the way we try to administer taxes. How much does the tax code play into a problem where people are like, we should be able to take care of seniors and people that can't work? We all agree on that. How much does having a bad tax code and bad tax policy actually affect that fiscally, though? Oh, it does significantly. I think one of the biggest problems in the U.S. tax code is our tax base. So that's actually income that we tax. We have a lot of itemized deductions that higher income earners take that are not well targeted 
and they don't really do much for the economy. For example, the charity tax deduction, you look at the numbers, a lot of people, a lot of Americans don't get the charity tax deduction, but they donate to charity anyway, because we're good people, we have a good country. And so what is the charity tax deduction do? It subsidizes charitable givings for the highest earning income Americans. So that's a whole chunk of tax revenue that we could have that we don't. And then what, what do we use that tax revenue for? Pay down the deficit or cut taxes broadly for the entire population. And then there's other deductions like being able to write off a mortgage, the state and local tax deduction, which is essentially a blue state tax subsidy. So a lot of Democrat states, they have really high state taxes. And what does the tax code allow them to do? Write some of that off. And I think that's spending, essentially, because that's tax revenue that you aren't collecting. Yeah, Travis Nick's joining us, uh, talking a little tax and economics. Uh, another one of those hidden things that affects taxes greatly, uh, we are looking at the situation now where this also affects all those entitlements you were just talking about. Uh, a lot of people are expecting the Fed to raise tax uh, to raise interest rates this year. Some reports say they might do it as many as three times this year. When you're talking taxes, when you're talking entitlements, when you're talking kind of that hardwired spending stuff into the federal government that we're discussing here, those little minor changes have great and rippling effects all throughout both the economy, but also culturally and politically, don't they? Yeah, for sure. I think your biggest problem with interest rates, um, that's going to increase the interest that we pay on our debt. So that gives the government less money overall to spend. So that could... I don't think this is going to happen. It could maybe put pressure on politicians to do some entitlement reform. I don't expect that. So we're either going to have discretionary budget uh, cuts and our discretionary spending, which there's not a lot right out there to cut because the money's on the entitlement side. They could raise taxes. That's what the Democrats have been signaling ever since they got full control of the government. Or um, we could see more deficit spending, our deficits continue to rise, and we're on a fast track towards a possible budget crisis in the future. Yeah, Travis, next joining us. Uh, It looks like, before we get back into tax policy, though, uh, President Biden in his most recent press conference announced that he's going to do what everybody said was going to have to happen in the first place. They're going to break up the Build Back Better. You already referenced it earlier. Was there anything in, I know there's a lot of bad in there, but you know, it's not all, was there anything in that build back better if they go to split it up and they start parsing it out? Was there anything in there you'd like to see specifically addressed by this Congress? Cause it is an election year. So there will be some pressure on them to get something done between now and November. Was there anything in there that taking out of the bigger mess that you think should be addressed? Yeah, I think the best provision in there, it's what I've written about recently. It was the full deduction for businesses when they make research and development uh, spending. So for the last essentially years and decades in the US, companies been able to fully write off in the first year all of the research costs, which really stimulates in- innovation. But this year, that or uh, in the last year, that expired. So now companies, if they make $100,000 in research costs in 2022, they have to write that full cost off over five years instead of in the first year. And that was a provision in the Build Back Better program to reinstate the full write-off. That, um, that's a provision I actually like and support because it stimulates research, stimulates innovation, and it does produce jobs and grow the economy. 
Yeah, we're talking to Travis Nix. We're going to dig more into that research and development uh, piece of the legislation. He's written about that in National Review, along with another tax that he would say should get bipartisan support. We're going to ask him about that. More with Travis Nix of Young Voices right after this. Ah, Heard Tell Show, we're back with Travis Nix, Young Voices contributor, has been writing all over the place. You wrote uh, in National Review, you just mentioned it, uh, you had two tax proposals uh, that you think are really good ideas, and you also think should be bipartisan ideas. You just mentioned one of them, but I want to dig into a little bit more. Uh, work off the nomenclature, though, R&D, research and development. You mentioned it. You said this is why it's good. But why is that so important for companies, especially innovative companies where uh, things like tech and manufacturing, where their innovation is running ahead of the regulation. Sometimes it's running ahead of regulatory and tax things. Why is it so important to get that R&D research and development uh, block money up front for these companies? Because it makes it cheaper to invest in research and development. And I think we've seen throughout you know, the last few decades um, how much the U.S. economy has innovated and changed and how much that's helped people. Wages are rising. We, that's created numerous new jobs, numerous new companies. And I think it's really good that we need to make it cheaper for these companies to research and come up with these new ideas that improve everybody's standard of living. Also, and you mentioned it in the piece, uh, when these companies that are doing this innovation, those are often the companies that are kind of on the leading edge of things like new hires or new training of new workers and things like that. So this actually has a bit of a blast radius that goes beyond just research and development. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. These are the companies. It's the research and development is one of the fastest growing sectors of the U.S. economy. A lot of new people, when they're getting hired straight out of college or changing careers, they're getting hired in this sector. And when companies research really good products that make a lot of money, then they can either expand their businesses and hire new people, or um, people can invest in these companies and then have some more money for themselves. Yeah, uh, talking to Travis Nix. Now, you said something that would normally in a vacuum be a little controversial about this particular tax proposal. Uh, it has long been dogma on the right and in conservative and libertarian economic circles that retroactive tax is bad, like you know, the power of Christ compels you to get away from us bad. However, you think in this specific case, retroactively enacting this tax would be a good thing. Try to explain that to us. Yeah. So normally retroactive uh, tax cuts are bad because they just subsidize existing behavior and don't encourage new behavior, which is 100% true proof if we were to retroactively um, go back to a full deduction for research costs. In 2022, so companies have already made research in January. Research costs to uh, a full write-off would subsidize what they did in January and not stimulate new activity. But I think it's very important for these companies that we cut their costs so they're that they continue to be able to make these economic productive research investments. Because if you don't do it retroactively, everything that they've done in January and February, whenever this gets extended, finally, that's going to come with a lot higher cost, and that's going to impact their research abilities years down the line, potentially. 
All right. You have another proposal in your piece at uh, National Review. We encourage you to go find it. Uh, Congress's urgent tax needs for 2022. You can read it for yourself. Please do do your own homework, like we always say on this program. Uh, Full capital investment deduction. That's a nice, big, fat word. Uh, Explain it to me like I'm five. What are we talking about? Yeah, so this provision is known as full expensing, and what it allows is companies to fully deduct the cost of their capital investments immediately off their income taxes. So these are investments in like machinery, new equipment for employees, and stuff like that. It's basically every uh, investment you can think of other than purchasing a building, uh, essentially. So the reason that this uh, tax proposal is really, really important, it was included in uh, the 2017 tax bill, but it expires at the end of this year. And so we really like this proposal because it encourages companies to invest in their employees, essentially. They're investing in equipment machines, everything that makes employees more productive. And as we've seen throughout US history, when employees are more productive, their wages go up, one, because they're producing more, that makes them a more valuable employee. And it also empowers them to go up to their boss and ask for wage increases. And all these economically productive investments also increase uh, new jobs. And there are studies out there that this provision could essentially increase GDP by like 4% over the long run. Yeah, let's make that real real quick, though, because you said it's in history. People may not understand. Uh, Let's take like the steel industry, for example. The steel industry in America got decimated in the 70s because they were still running 40s and 50s equipment in their steel mills, places like Youngstown, places like Pittsburgh, places like Allentown. I know my family was in Youngstown, you know, uh, Black Monday, you know, Youngstown uh, Tube and Steel. They just shut it down because they were running 40s and 50s equipment and never got upgraded. We don't even have the ability to do tooling in America now because we didn't upgrade that sector. So dig into that a little bit more, because I don't think people realize maybe how vital to especially like manufacturing, especially now that we're talking about tech. We're seeing this now in the ability to make microchips and things like this. How important being able to invest in your own business in machinery and things like that is to industry wise and the greater economy. Yeah, and especially in America, it's, it's very important because we have huge economic competitors out there in China and in other countries where if we don't allow our employees to have the best equipment, best machines, best stuff, what are com- and they're not predict- producing enough, what are companies going to do? They're going to go and offshore these jobs to these other countries that can produce things a lot faster and a lot better than they can in America. So we need to make it as cheap as possible in America for companies to build all this new equipment for employees that they're able to use very productively, which will help them keep their jobs and help them keep their paychecks. Yeah, I'm talking to Travis Nix. Okay, on the ledger side of business and economy, if this expires at the end of the year, the fiscal year, what would the actual practical effect be? Is it lost jobs? Is it lost innovation? And, and the thing about this is when we're talking about innovation and machinery, this is things that are projected costs for these companies. These are things they plan out, you know, three, five, 10 years ahead of time. What's the practical effect if this lapses? If this lapses, uh, companies are just going to invest less, which is going to have, uh, it's not going to affect people's jobs right away. It's not going to affect their wages right away. What it's going to do is if we, extrapolate it over time, over like a next 10 year period and where we don't have 
a full capital investment deducted, their wages that they earn is going to be less than what they would have earned without um, this provision. And there's going to be fewer jobs in the economy. The economy is going to be less productive and it's going to produce a lot less than it would have if we had a full capital expense deduction. Talking to Travis, Nix, um, you end your piece um, with a call for bipartisanship. We, didn't, we, we understand that it's pretty ugly right now. Again, it's, it's an election year, so you know, there's not going to be a lot of hand-holding kumbaya kind of stuff out of Congress. However, you bring up the fact that there is some of this legislation, especially now that we know that they're going to break up BBB and work at it that way. Um, you say there's room for some bipartisanship. They could work on the R&D deduction that we're talking about. They could work on the capital investment that we're talking about, and they could maybe pair that with other popular legislation like the child tax credit, maybe package some of this stuff together. Do you see a bipartisan path forward here, even with a divided Congress in an election year? I think I do, because I think both sides are going to want to try and get something done. And taxes are just naturally less controversial, less heated than some of these bigger culture war issues. The R&D uh, deduction that's had a lot of bipartisan support in the past, that's always been a bipartisan provision, folks spending less so, that's more something Republicans like. But then we look at what Democrats, what do they want to do? They want to increase the child tax credit. And I think this is a great opportunity for both sides to come together because what can you view the child tax credit as? You're investing in children, you're investing in human capital, and then you get the full expensing side of it that you're investing in physical capital, physical assets that help make workers more productive. So I think it's a beautiful opportunity for both sides to come together and say, we're, yes, we want to invest in our future and human capital and also physical capital that helps uh, workers out. Yeah, Travis, next. Is, is it one of those things where we use we get caught up in the buzzwords and the terminology and tax policy is is the wonkiest of wonky things to talk about because it's it's very it's got a lot of that math stuff I don't like to do and things like that. But like you just laid out, I mean, you used all the policy terms, but what you're really talking about is we're going to increase productivity, which will increase people's wages, which will and then we're going to decrease their cost of living. I'm not a big economics maven, but that's a that's a sellable point to just about anybody, regardless of their knowledge level is like you're going to make more money and it's going to cost you less money in taxes to take care of your family. That seems to me like a winning message, regardless of what your ideology politically is. Yeah, it's a winning message for any political party, which is why I'm somewhat hopeful and somewhat optimistic that you can find a bipartisan way forward. And bipartisanship is so important in tax policy, more so than any other policy, because we need a stable tax code. When the tax code changes every year, every two years, every five years, that makes it very difficult for families to plan for their future, makes it different for businesses to plan for their future and what they're going to invest in and who they're going to hire. So it's really important that we have a stable tax code, and that's the direction this country needs to go in. Travis, next outstanding stuff, a uh, little bit of a deep dive into taxes and stuff, but we need to do that uh, again. Like we started with, it's not really getting talked about as much as other issues, but maybe we should get back to that. Uh, let folks know where they can find you. You're writing all over the place. Uh, of course, your Twitter feed, things like that, your social media. Let folks know how they can find and follow you, my friend. Yeah, the easiest way to connect with me is on Twitter at tnix113. You can also find me and all my articles on the Young Voices homepage under my name, Travis Nix. 
Fantastic. And he is one of them bilingual people. He can even do this for us in Spanish, but we won't put him on the spot today for that. Uh, Travis Nix, great job, buddy. Appreciate the insight. Looking forward to talking to you again in the future. Maybe uh, later on as they start busting up this uh, Build Back Better bill, we'll talk and get some updates on this. Yeah, great. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate your time, sir. Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.